This is So Then What Happened, a series where various types of artists from musicians, dancers, actors, singers, writers, stand-up comics, and so much more share their horror stories from the industry. And these stories will keep you asking, So Then What Happened? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of So Then What Happened. I am here with one of my favorite people. I mean, he's a guest, but he's one of my favorite people because he's just so damn good and that voice, oh, he's just so talented. Please give it up to the talented, awesome, amazing Phil Adrisi. Oh, you are way too kind, way too kind. (laughs) That's probably the first and last time I will ever hear that being said, but I will take it. I will take it. (laughs) So we have a horror story about an audition, which I'm sure so many people can relate to until they hear the story and they'll realize they cannot relate to it. But (laughs) it's a little, it's a little little unique uh, in terms of horror stories, but let me just uh, preface it by, by starting it by saying this. Uh, if you've if you've been in acting for any time at all in television and film, either in Los Angeles or New York or really anywhere these days, you've probably attended at least one, if not more than one uh, casting workshop with a casting director. And um, uh, you, you might not remember anything remarkable or particular about any one of those, except for the fact ubiquitously say, uh, please don't ever bring props to an audition. And please don't ever, 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 ever under any circumstances produce anything that is a weapon or that looks like a weapon at an audition. That so really, really just drill that into your head, right? That's acting 100 because it's even before 101, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's acting 99. You know, they gotcha. Really, they, and and I, I don't know how many people have actually done that, but enough that every single casting director talks about that in their spiel. That's so, interesting. I was saying, I feel like even now with the whole quarantine, Zoom, whatever, they, that rule still applies. So I'm, think, I'm thinking it's such a hardcore rule. Like, don't even do it when you're at home in the comfort of your living room. We don't care. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'd imagine that that's probably very true. Uh, they don't even want to see it. Uh, um, and, 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 you know, I mean, for good reason. You know, for good reason that 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 that, uh, that that's the uh, the protocol. Anyway, I was uh, in my first couple of years out here in L.A. and, and really my first couple of years as a, as a professional actor. And uh, I had a, a, a pretty prolific manager at the time. And she got me an audition for a, a series regular role on a very prolific uh, cable series uh, that. Uh, <laughs> No, you're downplaying this also because you also don't want to give it away. However, when we say a prolific channel, we mean like it's it's not in the basic package or the second package. No. Like these these are high tiered channel that we're talking about. Yeah, you got to pay extra. It's three letters. I won't tell you which three. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, I, I was also told up front that, uh, that they had likely already uh, sent this part out on offer and that they were looking at backups. Uh, so I wasn't, um, you know, shot through with the idea that I might get this thing. But I wanted to, I, I knew this casting director was big and I wanted to show up and make a good impression. Um, right. You want to you want to be in the room no matter what. Exactly, at some point. Exactly. It's like playing darts. You always aim for the bullseye, but you hopefully get the good fallout, you know. Gotcha. Uh, so, so, so what happened at this uh, audition that you weren't planning on booking anyway? But what happened? 
happen? <laughs> so, I, so I show up on this audition, and and uh, just so you know, the audition is a monologue. It's not a dialogue. There's no there's no words coming back at me. The entire audition is me yelling at another character in a progressively louder tone as he's walking away from me. And I'm and okay. and the whole the whole crux of it was warning him not to go in the direction he's going. Right. That's basically the whole thing. Okay. And, uh, uh, I showed up. I did the first uh, the read through with the casting associate. Uh, I went home. I got a call. They'd like to have you come back in for a producer session. Now the the casting director, who is a a, a like I said, a brand name household name casting director, the writer creator of the series was in the room. Also a household name. Um, none of those things really bothered me. Um, um, so I, I showed up at the appointed time. There were there were a couple of guys that were in front of me. Uh, I read through. Now the, wait, let me let me let me backtrack a little sure. bit. As you said, sure. you weren't planning on getting this role because they had pretty much sent it out on offer already. But as I said, you're so talented. You got a call back. So how does that? How, how common is that in on its own? Like when you you're kind of just going in as a backup, and and they still ask you to come back. I I think uh, I I think it happens. I I mean it's happened it's happened to me frequently. Um, where where I'm where I'm asked to come back, and I have been asked to come back and read a different role. Mm. Um, He's that good, guys. He's that good. Just just I, well, I'm, I'm I'm lucky, and I'm also I'm also a little unique, right? I don't I I, I there just aren't many people in the category that I that I play in, you know. True. Uh, uh, and and we all know each other, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I check to make sure when my other friends that that are in the same league as me are booked out. It's great because I know that whatever I'm going to get, I'm not going to see them, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I get I get this call back and and uh, and I check the sides as you always do when you go in for the callback to make sure they haven't changed anything because there are a lot of shows that when you get the callback the, the sides are completely different. Mm. Uh, Modern Family was notorious for that. I can say that now because they're off the air. But I never went back in for them where the sides were anywhere near what I went in for uh, for the first read through. Interesting. Uh, I love that yeah. show. I did not know that they changed it up so frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 they beat the they just beat the shit out of the funny. They really do. They took all yeah. the funny out in the in the callbacks. Um, it's just it was like it went from you know seven or eight lines of solid meaty funny to like a half a gag. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like Jeffrey Greenberg wasn't laughing at the callback. That's because the writers cut all the funny stuff out. And there's only so far my face is going to make people laugh. I mean, exactly. Facial expressions. But I digress. <laughs> I go in for this uh, callback. It's in a different lo- part of the 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 location where, where this guy casts out of. It's in a small uh, house, uh, like a casita house that uh, is off the pool of this compound where where he casts. And uh, I walk in, and uh, it's three: the the the, the girl doing the uh, the casting asso- associate doing the filming, uh, who I'm also is my eyeline, and uh, this casting director and the writer creator of the show. And so everything normal up to this point, basically. Absolutely normal. And I got to be honest with you, I'm cool as a cucumber. When you don't have dialogue coming back at you, it is such an opportunity to to express, you know, your own point of view on something without having to worry about what else somebody's saying. You're creating all the action in your head. So it really could, it's the most actor-friendly possible situation you can be in. Is So you were coming in like, this is, this is good. Yeah. This 
this is great. But so then what happened that made it not so right? right. So, so here we go. So I get started. You know, there's there's minimal greetings. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. And then we, we just go right into it. And um, I get about uh, maybe 10 seconds into, if that, 10 seconds into the, the thing. And I'm maybe on three or the third or fourth line where I'm trying to get this character's attention. Mm-hmm. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the casting director take out of his waistband a full-framed government edition issued looking 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol and lay it on his lap yeah he just he just laid it on his lap and i had this split screen thing go on immediately happen in my head where half of me just kept going down the roll of the scene and Might as well. was convening an emergency cabinet meeting about was there something we missed in the, what what's going on does he want me to use that? What? <laughs> What's what? happening? What is happening? And um, and before I knew it, you know, I, I I guess the default choice I made at that time, at that moment, having had never had anything happen like this before, was just keep. It's a distraction. It's a shiny object. Just keep going. I might have made a different choice had today, no, knowing knowing what I know, uh, but I I didn't. I made the choice to just keep going and ignore it. Uh, and then, and then when we were done, he, he got up and uh, the creator said, Oh, thank you. That was wonderful. And he said, yep, thanks a lot. And he kind of almost pushed me out the door and I'm looking just like it didn't happen. Right. Just not even no. And I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the sides and I'm going, I, I really don't see. And then he pulls out a gun anywhere in the sides, you know? So, uh, I, I, panicked a little and I call I got my agent and my manager on a conference call and I immediately thereafter from the car and I basically said this is just what happened I'm this is absolutely what happened this is how I recollect it you know my agent who was fairly new to the business at the time um and is subsequently no longer in the business said yeah I don't know if we should even talk about this this sounds like something we shouldn't even talk about my manager who had been in the business for many many years and who knew a lot of people mm-hmm. flipped out and said I am calling that three-letter network right now I'm calling the director of casting who I know personally and I'm going to find out what the hell happened and the bottom line was uh they came back and said yeah he didn't deny it he didn't admit it he just said he didn't do anything with you in the room that he did with he didn't do with anybody else that was the bottom <laughs> what kind of harvey weinstein answer is very, that like what? very loyally well, i did it to everybody else so uh yeah <laughs> exactly exactly, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. so okay i can't even because i'm I, okay i've unfortunately had a gun pointed at me and it was it wasn't in a, a audition it was it was literally at, at work where it didn't belong someone brought in their like hunt their like rifle like they were going to the shooting after or something like that so i'm trying to imagine not only like you said it wasn't in the sides but like the scene didn't even call for it like what <laughs> like it, nobody had a gun you were yelling at your friend or family right. member whoever it was just to like tell him not to go that way. There's there's no gun at all, let alone that it was on the size or not. There's there was no I don't 
huh? I'm so confused. It's very, it's very confusing. And and the thing is, had I had I seen this show, had this show been a going concern for some reason, and I really had I had I even read even a script, I hadn't read a script at that point. I just read sides, right? Um, right. And had I understood the dynamic between these characters, I I would have easily been able to incorporate the gun into the scene without thinking about it. Um, but I, I, I didn't. And I, and I look, I, I would love to tell you that there's a part of me that, that should have just picked that gun up out of his lap and thrown it into the pool on my way out. Um, <laughs> the hindsight is 2020. You know, the gun safety guy and me, and I am a gun. I am a gun safety guy. Cause I'm also an enthusiast said, I don't know if that's loaded. I don't know if that's real. I mean, wait, wait. So the description, see, I'm thinking you're just throwing out jargon that's related to the gun. No, you knew like this exact model. It, it was not a prop. You it, it knew was, what uh, you were looking at. It was a Colt 1911 45 caliber pistol. I could tell by the slide what it was. And wow. But the thing is, it could very well be a stage gun that is designed it's an, a, a stage imitation it's designed to look exactly like the real thing look and feel like the, the the real thing um and and what do i know you know what i mean but but i'm also yeah long enough that you don't pick up a strange weapon in the heat of a situation not knowing if it's if it's real and you assume that when you see a, a firearm like that you assume it's real and you assume it's loaded and you assume it's it's in the firing and the the a position as we call it Right. That's definitely what you want to assume as opposed to, ah, it's a prop, I'm safe, just (laughs) go on my day. You know, when I was, uh, this is an aside for you, I got into firearms young in summer camp when the NRA wasn't the poisonous organization that it is today. Uh, (laughs) We got it. When they were really about teaching responsibility for firearms, not how to sell as many, you know, military-grade weapons as they possibly can. But uh, mm-hmm. When I was eight, I was in Washington, D.C. in the winter on vacation with my family, and we were staying at a hotel down in Foggy Bottom, and we were getting out of a cab, and it was late at night, and I looked down, and there was something shiny in the snow, and I picked it up, and it was a thirty-eight caliber weapon that was loaded, thirty-eight caliber revolver. I picked it up, and I pointed it at my father. I go, look, they had a cap gun. And to which everybody started screaming. <laughs> I mean, I'm screaming yeah. on the inside because I'm like, wait, what? Like, you're just walking and, oh, just pick up this yeah. gun here. Yeah. All right. What are you going to do? It's a shiny thing. I'm getting out of the cab in the snow. So I, I put the gun down. It turned out that it was a diplomat who had bought the gun, who had gotten the gun that day, never owned a gun before, and it fell out of his jacket, you know. He, wow. He was obviously the same hotel, right? I mean, you know, it fell out of his coat. But uh, so I am, <laughs> I will forever have that experience informing every approach I make to a firearm, right? Is, is it's a loaded gun ready to fire and you're pointing it at your own family. You know, it's that sort of mm. experience that defines, uh, you know, your, your approach, to, your approach to, 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 to firearms going forward. Everybody has right even people that don't they have it based on what they've seen on tv or film so right uh, so it's a touchy subject and i i i went i will tell you that i have gone back in to read for that casting director since then we've never talked about this i doubt we ever will 
Oh my goodness. Uh, I doubt it'll ever come. If he happens to hear this podcast, he'll know because he did it. <laughs> Uh, but it shows that you're a professional. You finished your role. You said yep. nothing about it. And you haven't said anything since. Now, I do want to ask, because I know you said you made the choice to continue going, of course. Um, how much of a choice do you think it was as opposed to autopilot? Oh, that's a good question. The, uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to say 99% autopilot. I, I would gotcha. have to say 90. I don't think there was ever any real... Um, any serious thought given in, in in that moment, in that precise moment, to going, huh? Maybe I should use this. No, no, it was uh, it was complete autopilot. I, I, as I said, like it really was kind of a split screen thing where half of me was just continuing, kind of like I didn't even look down. Like I just caught it out of the corner of my eye, and then when I when I was done with the last um, line of these sides, and there was. There was sort of a fill in the blank part of it. Like there was an opportunity for me to improv a little in the middle of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, the character says something very specific that buttons the scene and is supposed to get the attention of the person he's yelling at, right? The the last right. line. And before I delivered the last line, I put in a gap, a pause. Uh, because I had just been prattling on, you know, for five lines going, Come on now, you don't need to do this, you know, that kind of thing. And right. As I paused, I looked at it, like just to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. And then I looked up and I, I shot the last line out, and then it was over, and I was they were pushing me out of the room. So. My goodness, that is like I because it's one of those things. Like you never know. Like you can say what you're going to do. You know, you could yeah. ah well if it was me. You you don't know until you're there. And it, I think it's actually almost funnier because, like you said, for you it was out of your peripheral. Like you weren't actually facing him and saw. Like if you had bad peripheral, you wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You would have seen it. He didn't point it at you. And that, I, I think that's the weirdest part. Like, not just how unnecessary it was, but just to put it on the table. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I want to, I want to pick his brain. I want him in this, yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. I want to know more. You know, if I, if I hit the right, the right six numbers in, in the uh, super lotto and, uh, and no longer need to act for money. Uh, I'll be happy to call this guy up and ask him if he'd be interested in maybe doing a follow-up podcast with us. <laughs> First of all, please, someone give him numbers. Give Phil Adrisi the lotto numbers immediately so I can have this episode because I, I need it. I feel like we all need it. We have so many questions that only he can answer. <laughs> well, and, and not to mention, I'd be happy to fund your podcast in, in, at infinitum and in perpetuity. So, you know. You all right, need, someone give him the numbers. Forget the interview. I mean, that's great. Okay. Copper Copper Fit has a new pillow. Speaking of pillows, but none of these people are paying me. So yeah, let's just let's let <laughs> kibosh put a kibosh on that. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> oh my goodness. So all right, that was amazing. I mean, it was a horrible experience. Amazing how you handled it. So. What would you say? Would is that like your advice? Just keep going. What would you say is like your advice for actors, kind of yeah. going into like? If you ever find yourself in these circumstances, which I, I mean, I highly doubt, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where somebody is produced a weapon, really of any kind, in an audition, um, I, I think the only thing I might do is I might stop and address it and go, "I'm sorry. Uh, there's nothing in the script about a." a f- 
you to produce a firearm and put it on your lap. You know, I might have done that. I mean, that, that would have been the only other acceptable thing to do. Um, but but honestly, um, these if this was a non-union <clears throat> project with somebody I didn't know is, you know, if there were no household names involved in it. I would have mm-hmm. a completely different response because because these are not trained people. These are not people that have, uh, you know, Ardios awards sitting on their shelves, you know, for right. Testing, right. But because yeah. of the loftiness of both the project and the people in the room and everything else, it just didn't seem to me to be an opportunity to take a stand at, at the, set, the two year mark of my career. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Is this, is, is this is the moment for you to be like, oh, hurrah, let's no, go. Exactly. And, and you know, in, in retrospect, I'm not suffering any PTSD from it. And if anything, it's just put me in a position where if that ever were to happen again, like lightning, lightning striking in the same spot twice, <laughs> I, I would be prepared to make a different decision. But, but honestly... Uh, you know, it's a very strange, very rare circumstance. And obviously this particular guy had it in his mind that the person that he wanted to cast in this episode had to be comfortable with the person pulling a gun out in the middle of the scene. I think that's oh, the only logic. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, again, we will the world, it's like the Tootsie Pop. We'll never, the world may never know. Um, but I think it's, it's important what, what you said. I want to stress that, like, like you said, be, just because of the caliber and the professionalism of who you were working with, you kind of went with it. You were able to kind of trust it a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as opposed to, like you said, if it was a bunch of nobody, cause you never know, like, are they, are they going right. to do something for ratings? Are they going to like point the gun at you? So mm-hmm. I, I think that's important also to just kind of recognize who and what you're dealing with to realize kind of you know where to go although you know if you're uncomfortable you're uncomfortable it is what it is but i think that's an important part to stress as well because some people will do some stuff unfortunately yeah yep it's a weird it's a weird business out there and and people will do weird things in trying to get films made and they'll cut corners and they'll you know they'll be real i've i shouldn't even say this but i've worked on Early in my career, before I was ever a SAG member, I worked on a couple of projects that were shoestring budget indie guerrilla films that we made that that involved, you know, nobody had a firearms budget or, you know, an, uh, uh, money to hire a proper armor and, and, and set up. I've worked on films that have, but uh, mm-hmm. I've also worked on films that are like, hey, do you have, have any, you know, a couple of guns we can use in the scene? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're in my garage. Well, you're an enthusiast. Maybe you do have some. <laughs> well, you know that part. We don't have to. We don't have to. Oh no, that's that's not for the podcast. That is that is for your uh, mailing address to know only, yeah. and for none of us to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Put it this way: if well, you find out, it's too late. Listen, there's there's a, a actually a meme that made me think of that. It's uh, I think the top. It's like split in two. Mm-hmm. And so it, the, the words on top is like when a gun owner hears someone breaking in the house and then the person is like, the person opens their eyes and like wakes up like in excitement and then they're like getting out of their bed to get their gun. They're so excited. And I was like, I can imagine you just being like, ha I've been waiting all my life for this. Like, <laughs> break on in, motherfucker. <laughs> I, or I so yeah, is- I want to find out. I- I was a Boy Scout. I take that whole be prepared thing pretty seriously. 
All right. Well, I know who to hang out with during the uh, apocalypse of this country, apparently, yeah. if uh, somebody wins again, as oh, opposed to the apocalypse the that we expected. Perish the thought. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. I'm in denial. I mean... I mean, honestly, I wish I had taken bets the first time around because mm. I was unfortunately so sure. Mm. Um, this time, I'm I'm like eighty twenty sure, uh, but we'll see. Well, we'll I'll we'll give see. you this piece of information. I checked the odds in Vegas today. Biden is plus one forty five, and Trump is plus two seventy. And if you know anything about Vegas odds makers, they really don't like to lose their money. They they'd rather eat their children than part with their money, and they love their children very much. So when you see somebody running uh, almost double in in the point department, they don't they don't make those set those odds lightly. You know, the house always wins. That's agreed, and that is a great example. Yes, they would rather eat their children than lose. So. <laughs> We'll see what happens next month, but uh, I think most of us either are in denial or, or in the acceptance stage, whatever point of grief that you are in. Um, <laughs> I I want to thank you so much, Phil. Always a pleasure. That voice, that acting, that skill. Look for this man. Do you have any uh, projects you want to promote, past, present, or future? I mean, with COVID, uh, it's, it's a little been, hard. It's with been this. quiet. Yeah, it's <laughs> been quiet. I haven't uh, done anything that's uh, coming out. Uh, I did do a, a Stephen King uh, dollar baby short that's actually making the rounds at festivals uh pre-covid uh in in europe it actually won at the british shorts film festival uh one, wow one, congrats one, one the month we were in so that we then will now compete at the end of the year with 11 other films for for the best of the year and it's going to a big dollar baby festival and it's uh great great people made it and uh if you know if you know the Stephen King deal is you can go and and uh, license a story for a dollar. They call them dollar babies, and they're short stories. And then you adapt it into a screenplay and shoot it as a short. And then they compete all over the world with with dollar baby novels or dollar baby scripts uh, that that have been turned into shorts. So well, I need to get uh, on that. I mean, thank you for sharing. Yes, everyone, look out for that, please. But now I also know what I need to do because uh, the poor man's copyright doesn't really hold up in court anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> I might need to do me some dollar baby shorts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> thank you so much, Phil. Always a pleasure. Um, and he is on Instagram, Pug Daddy Phil, I believe. Pug Daddy Phil, yeah. Um, uh, I got like eighteen followers or something, or twenty-two followers. Or I'm not a big social media guy. Not not as an actor, but go ahead and hit me up. All right. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It has been a pleasure. Sounds good.